be upset. I feel like one of those pirates in uh, Peter Pan when they're all crying, you know, because she's singing the song about the mom. Which reminds me, I've seen that we've been saying a lot of Happy Mother's Day, but I noticed that the response has been wrong. So I need to do some correcting here. Pastor Tim, I was told last week, said that Easter still continues. So when someone says to you, Happy Mother's Day, the response is always, no, Happy Mother's Day indeed. I love you, Mom. Well, men. Now, let's practice it, and I can do it, and you can do it with one another. Ready? I say, Happy Mother's Day. You say, I love you, Mom. Well, men. We missed the last part. Here we go again. We're going to do this until we get it right, because you're going to go home, and you're going to do this with your mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. Well, men. No. You guys are like those bankers and Mary Poppins, sitting there checking your watch. No, we're doing it again. Get excited. And then I will do that classic chapel skit where you get everybody pumped and you quiet down, quiet down. But we're going to do one more of this. And then I promise you, we'll maybe do it another a couple times in the sermon. Ready? Happy Mother's Day. Good, except you were supposed to look at your mom, so we've still got some learning to do. Now, we've almost got that. Let's see if we can get the text. Let's jump right into it. Now, our text today comes from John chapter 10. Uh, it looks at the good shepherd. I was surprised at how much the good shepherd has in common with our mom, so I love the text today, and let's just jump right into it. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. Couple of notes here. First, the festival of dedication is Hanukkah. So that's a little tidbit for you. Um, Solomon's colonnade was a porch-like structure. It had this roof over it in the temple area. It's where all the believers would gather before the diaspora. It's also where Peter and John later on in Acts will heal a man who couldn't walk. And speaking of walking, the text tells us that this is where Jesus was walking, walking in the temple courts. I have to say something about Jesus walking because I know that if the Lord was around today and he appeared today, the first thing he would put on is a Fitbit. The guy was always walking with his disciples, whether he was on his own, whether he was talking. Whenever he is walking, something amazing happens. Where Jesus walks, life is happening in and around him. He's asking questions. He's doing miracles. He's going to the places that need him. He's offering teachings and parables. It is always a good thing when Jesus walks. So the first thing we have to see here is that we should never underestimate the power of a walk, of going for a walk with mom, of going for a walk with our family. Whether you're looking for cats or you're just holding hands, obviously not on your Fitbit hand because you've got to shake that to get the steps. But put the phone away sometime and just go on a walk. Have those conversations. Have those moments. Never underestimate the power of just going outside and walking with the ones that you love. Now Jesus is walking around and then some Jews gathered around here in verse 24 and John says, the Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Tell us plainly is a very interesting phrase. Now let's jump back seven chapters. Does anybody remember a man named Nicodemus? Nick at night, right? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus at night, hence Nick at night, and he wants to talk to Jesus. 
this ruling member, this Pharisee of the council, comes to talk. He says, we know you're from God because no one could do what you are doing unless he was from God. See, they already knew. Nicodemus may have not got it quite right away when he's talking with Jesus. He may have not understood how it could happen, but he knew right away. When he examined the evidence, when he saw, when he heard, he knew. Same with the prophets who prophesied about what was coming about this Jesus. They knew and they told us what to look for, what to listen to, so that we would know, so that we wouldn't miss it. And Abraham as well, as Jesus said, he looked and saw this day and was glad and rejoiced. But the ones who don't know, the ones who say, tell us plainly, they were the ones who didn't want to know. They didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. They didn't want what Jesus offered. They didn't want to be known by him, to be loved by him, least of all, saved by him. They say, tell us plainly so that they can do what they're going to do in the night a few chapters later when they arrest him. Even Jeremiah knew that these people knew but didn't want to. When he said in chapter 5, Lord, do your eyes not look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them with it, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone. I went to the leaders and spoke to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirements of God. But with one accord, they broke the yoke. They tore off the bones. Jeremiah says, they have eyes but don't see. They have ears but don't hear. Tell us plainly is something that even we ourselves cannot blow past. Because this is a huge danger. This is a huge issue that we all face today. We have a phone and it is very personal and it is programmed by ads, stories, and pictures that are designed to give us what we want. To be told what we want to be told. That's the beauty of something like Netflix. You watch this, you're going to love all these other ones as well. You like this article from this viewpoint? Well, here's a hundred more like it. We are in a very real danger of hearing only what we want to hear and being told only what we want to be told. And if you take that to the next step, it's only a matter of time before we only want to be around people who think and look and talk like us. And this cannot happen. This cannot happen for Christians who are called to be the salt and the light of the world. Our role as salt and light is to engage with the society, not in a way that is shouting and fighting, but one that will give witness to the glory of God to the hope that we have in him. And I know we're getting a little bit off track here, but the time is now to stop going with the flow and keeping our head down and just hoping for the best. The time is now to start being who we are meant to be. And it starts with words and works the words and works of Jesus and his love, learning how to engage people, how to be confident in what we believe, and how to be loving to everyone. That is what Pastor Mike and I want to lead at the end of May and those two weeks in June, how to be that salt and light. Now back on track. Tell us plainly, right? Jesus answers this in John. I told you, but you do not believe. I did tell you but you do not believe. 
The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Believe the works, the works of healing the sick, of casting out demons, of feeding over 5,000, of raising people from the dead like Jairus' daughter and soon to be Lazarus. He says this also to Philip in chapter 14 when Philip says, show us the Father and that'll be enough. He said, you have seen the Father. Have not the things that I've been doing you show you the Father. He's crying out, look at what is in front of you. He tells us to take an honest look at what he is doing. What a powerful exercise for us to go home and do today as a family or as an individual. To sit down and to write the works that Jesus is doing in our lives now. Or to take a walk and talk about them. Jesus working in our lives even today. And then there's that fantastic bit about being his sheep. Not just sheep, his sheep. We are his sheep and he is our shepherd. If you've ever been to the beach with your little one and they've gone a little bit too far and it's a crowded day and they're trying to make their way back to you, do you realize that that child does not care who has the most amazing beach bod, who is the tannist, or who has the big bag of Doritos when they are looking for something because they are looking only for you. They're looking for one person, listening for that one voice, the one that they belong to. There are several voices and choices and turns that we can take. But where do we belong? We belong to the shepherd, his sheep. And have you found yourself sitting on someone else's towel or battling seagulls who are trying to eat you Cheetos or just getting rocked by the waves? I get that. I've been there. And find myself there time and time again. But there is one that you belong to. Moms, I know it's hard. You have to balance it all. You have to have your life and you have to care for the lives around you. You have to look like society tells you to look. You have to do the things you're told to do. All of us struggle with having to have the things that we need to have to try to be who we're supposed to be. The shepherd says that we belong to him. And he tells us it's not who we're supposed to be, but rather who we are. His. His voice is radically different than any other voice. A voice that tells us who we are, not who we are supposed to be. It's his voice and he himself who secures our needs, provides for us, finds us and puts us on the right path, delivers us, stands with us, favors us and brings us home. And if that's not poetic enough for you, then David said it this way when talking about the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, leads me besides the still waters. Tell me that that does not remind you also of your mom coming in and laying you down, tucking you in. He restoreth my soul, leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We belong to him. We are part of one flock, but he cares for us individually. Personal pronouns throughout Psalm 23. My shepherd, I shall not want. Me to lie down. We belong to him. And if you think that just works one way, then look at the rest of John 10 when Jesus speaks. My sheep listen to my voice. I, Jesus, know them and they follow me. I, Jesus, give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Don't know how much time you've spent letting those words sink into your soul but I call on you to let them become a part of you. They may be plain, but they are powerful. And they are powerful and fitting for today because of the voice. His voice calling us, his voice telling us like a mother's voice. Crazy how similar those two voices can be, speaking words of comfort and care words of love and of mercy. Perhaps the words that we speak with our voices to our mothers, to one another, to our neighbors can be some of the most powerful gifts that we can give. For the shepherd himself calls us by name and tells us that we are known. Deeper than knowing God is being known by God. That's what defines us, not knowing God, but being known by Him, that He has taken note of us and made us His own. Psalm 139 gives you 40 or so verses of it. Uh, You've searched me, you know me, you know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. It's kind of like a mom, right, tracking us on our phones. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? I go to the heavens, you're there. The depths, you're there. I rise on the wings of the dawn. I settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand guides me. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, but woven together in you. That's the kind of known you are by the good shepherd. Knowing and loving you, not judging you but loving you and by his very own spirit resurrecting you. That's the kind of love we give thanks to the good shepherd for today. It's the kind of love we thank those mothers and mother figures for today. Tirelessly giving and providing love. So we say, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And we also say, Happy Mother's Day.
Happy Mother's Day indeed. I love you, Mom. Well, man. For as the shepherd truly knows and loves us, that's what we long for, to be truly known and truly loved. The promise is that no one can snatch us from his hand. What he has done on the cross is the final word for our salvation. We belong to him. He grabs hold of us and holds us in his arms. Following him and loving one another. So I wanted to end today, and I know this is weird, and I know this is tough because not everyone's mother is here. Even my mom's not here today. I'm sure she loves me. She just must be coming later. <laughs> but I want you to, if you would, just grab the hand of your mom or put your hand on her. If your mom's not here, then you can just put your hand over your heart if you're remembering your mom if you want so desperately to be a mom. The Lord loves you, and may he grant you what you desire. 